Hey there, welcome to Why We Roll, a tabletop role-playing game design podcast. We're your hosts, Chris Pickett, creator of the historical fantasy game Dance Macabre, and Wythe Marshall, creator of the political sci-fi game Stillfleet. Throughout the show, Chris and Wythe hope to amplify new creative voices. We'll chat with different TTRPG designers focusing on the world of indie games. We take a curious approach to game design, working through a range of mechanical and narrative questions that are pertinent to many designers, players, and GMs. We hope to showcase fresh and even challenging ideas about what makes imagination-based games just so powerful. Okay, let's find out why we roll. Hey, what's up? How's it going, Chris? Good. How are you, wife? Good, good. It is much cooler. Um, and it's almost Gen Con at the clock. I know. Yeah. Are you excited? You're going this year. I'm going. I've never been. Uh, I've been to other cons, but uh, not a while and never sort of with Stillfleet officially. So yeah, this will be, um, you know, that's something we can talk about on the pod. I don't think we're going to talk about it today, but maybe we'll do a debrief later. Oh yeah, that would be great. Yeah, yeah, kind of find out what uh, what um, Aaron is also coming from our team, what he and I sort of figure out this year, and hopefully next year we'll go sort of in force with a lot of books. Uh, but this year is more just really like getting to know people, learning, playing some games. Um, you know, we, again, we having not been to Gen Con uh, and given it's so big in this industry, it feels like, you know, we just had to like try, you know, see what see what's out there. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm super excited for y'all and I'm excited to hear uh, what you come back with, what experiences you have. Yeah, probably like a couple hundred dollars in books I can't afford, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully some good like, connections beyond that. Yeah. That's. That, I feel like that's that's an integral part of any convention experience. It's a, it's a, it's a, an economy of desire more than anything else. And there's a gift economy aspect. So we are bringing yeah. some books like to sell, but I think realistically we're going to do a lot of trading. Um, that's my hope is to meet cool people and be like, yeah, you know what? If you think our game looks cool, we think your game looks cool. Let's, you know, let's trade. Let's kind of be in touch. Um, and yeah, it's definitely, it's a festival, right? And so for any small industry, if you're a creator to find the connections, the human connections, some of which you can do online, but it's nice to be in person sometimes. Um, so yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that. But yeah, today I think we thought we would kick off what is probably going to be the first of many you know, actual play moments where we don't necessarily play through a whole game, but the, the why we roll team, uh, you and I try out different things, different moments within different games, kind of kick the tires on different mechanics. Um, and obviously we thought we'd start with, uh, with our own games. So yeah. next time um, I will be playing Dance Macabre for the first time. And this time I think you're playing Stillfleet for the first time. Is that correct? Or... This is the first time I'll be playing Stillfleet. Yeah, I'm a I'm a uh, I'm a newbie void miner, so <laughs> I'm you know I'm I'm relatively familiar with I think some of the base mechanics, but one of the strengths of Stillfleet is that there is a lot going on, um, and it all feeds into itself. It all creates a really tight, fun narrative universe that you've uh, you and the team have put a lot of time into, and that really shows in the rules. But it also means that I haven't had time to read everything, uh, so I'm I'm in your very capable hands. Yeah, and that that's a little by design um, that, you know, we don't expect people to read all those pages before playing in the same way. I don't think many of us read all of the materials for D&D or other similar games back in the day before we, we dove in. Um, and sometimes the reading is fun on its own. And so there's a Venn diagram, I think, of like the reading of RPG manuals, the playing without really any sense of what the hell is going on and, and that sweet spot. So um, thanks for thanks for diving in. Really, Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. Cool. 
Well, uh, so I heard that you have a void miner. You've created a character, which in this game, yeah, are called uh, void miners, and they work for the worshipful company of Stillfleeters, mining space for ancient architect that uh, these kind of early modern humans who found this alien space station, these time space gates to the space station, um, that then connects to so many other places. Uh, you know, they're they're basically their version of treasure, right? Is ancient technology. So. Who is your void miner? Can you give us the sort of like the camera, you know, turns in the dark halls of this alien space station? And you are standing there, maybe like ordering a smoothie made of crickets and uh, <laughs> you know, engineered sugar beets. Yeah, I don't, I don't actually know what this species uh, eats because uh, they are not quite organic, from what I can tell. But um, yeah, the uh, uh, we'll do. Let's do a full. We'll do the full actual play thing. The camera pans over to the right, and you see standing <laughs> in the hallway a six-foot-tall, dual-headed being uh, with a, uh, a cerulean blue complexion. Two different expressions on each one of their Janus faces. Uh, you see before you Svarm the Morgul or Mournfolk, as many uh, fleeters call them. Yeah. Not quite organic, not quite machine. Uh, but yes, Farm is a, a, a Razi for the Co. Uh, they are an exoplanetary scout. And more specifically, they work as a translator. So they do scouting work uh, as well as uh, kind of linguistic work for the Co. So, you know, new planets or new spheres that have been uh, discovered where there might be an extant population. You know, Sfarm is usually one of the first through the gate trying to break down language barriers and figuring out how to communicate and increase trade with uh, the locals. They're wearing a, uh, a hauberk made of bend, which covers most of their body, uh, but you can see their, uh, their very nice thin blue legs sticking out of the bottom. And uh, they have on them... Pretty simple weaponry on their left hip. They're carrying a uh, super ceramic dagger as well as a uh, large caliber pistol on their right hip. That's what you see. That's Svarm. Great. Um, I love it. And that actually matches really well with the vague idea I had in mind. So I think it's kind of perfect that you're playing a Morgul uh, Razi. So, Sweet. Yeah. And I think to your point, actually, yeah, if you're if you're made of blue nanites, kind of ropes of nanites uh, woven into the form of, of two elfin people smooshed together with, with the two heads still separate, um, you probably don't eat food per se. You might like ingest things and you need to rest because, uh, you know, everyone has to rest in some form um or else you'd you know maybe not feel so good mentally if not also physically but yeah you probably metabolize something to power your body so whatever that is um it, it's a it's a, a nanite juice it's like fresh fresh nanites to refresh uh, the worn out ones in the system yeah it's battery acid and probably crickets you know this stuff that gets <laughs> uh gets cut right it's, yeah, it's yeah. not pure good stuff <laughs> um great well you are uh you realize that it is time to uh, meet with your refactor, you have a job offer. So whatever your training, your previous experiences, um, for whatever reason you decided to work for this company and actually take the job of Void Miner, because you could uh, you know, continue to be a kind of monk-like figure who just sort of meditates on um, all the problems that led to the Civil War back uh, when your, your people were first created and, and then uh, melded you know, one to the next to kind of remind them uh, to mourn forever, you know, to never, never be uh, atomized individuals who would sort of hate someone else. Um, 
whatever happened to lead you down this path, you're like, eh, maybe you're bored. Maybe you want something. You're taking a job. I, I've got a, I've got a reason, actually. I got a little, little backstory based on, uh, based on my, uh, kin, actually, my major kin is a provincial governor. Uh, so I kind of thought it would be cool if they were maybe not a governor. I'm not sure exactly what the socio-political structure of Moss town looks like, but you know, like a higher up in Moss town, um, and it was actually their decision to send us. I'm going to speak in like kind of like venom, uh, <laughs> plural, plural <laughs> person, uh, but to send us to work for the co in order to uh, make political connections or yeah, something along those lines. Great. So sort of on behalf of all the other um, mourners down there in the depths of this alien space station, you are kind of connecting with the company. And, um, and yeah, that makes sense. So if you're someone who has spent time I mean, I guess all Mourn Folk at some point were, were not on Spindle, but maybe you feel more connected. You haven't lost those memories, you know, of being on a terrestrial body and scouting mm -hmm. around alien locations. And if you enjoy the sort of translation and the socializing and you're not too sort of anxious about that, um, you're, you're sent up, you're trained or whatever. You fill out some paperwork with Alterity, the branch of the Basilicon that takes in uh, aliens. And you are granted the status of Void Miner. Your rank is, you know, still Fleeter Minima minus Class F or whatever. You're, you're nobody. <laughs> uh, and this is your first big job. So um, there is a refactor in the afdelling of uh, the uh, of the minor provinces. So the the department in charge of all of these smaller worlds where the company doesn't really have complete hold. They have sort of complete control, more or less, uh, through trade deals, at least, um, of the good resources on eight big Goldilocks worlds. But there are many, many other ones that they found because this alien space station spindle that the company occupies has all of these Malkovich tunnel, these long funnel uh, connections that if you open them just right, using some kind of complicated quantum math McGuffery, you are able to connect time and space and you, you end up somewhere else. And they almost all lead to habitable worlds or habitable uh, major ships, you know, left by dead civilizations. So the companies found a lot of them, but the minor provinces are ones that don't have, you know, permanent deals um, set up. So uh, this, this branch of the company is called the Afdeling of the Void. So um, the Void just symbolizing all of the possibility out there. Uh, and uh, they, they mostly worry about the minor provinces. So there's a few dozen planets that they definitely want to develop more relationships with. Um, however, uh, the job you are being sent on is a little bit weird. So you've been asked uh, to see someone very specifically, uh, and that person is named Refactor Jantheo. She is a uh, youngish woman to be a refactor, so to be an officer in the company who assigns jobs. Um, she has all the face tattoos of someone born to the directorate, so to the ruling class, uh, more or less, on Spindle. Um, and uh, she's she's got short cropped hair and wears a kind of gray suit that is common. Uh, she's sort of like dressing in a fancy way that looks like she has a lot of power, uh, but she's relatively low level. She has a nice, small, real wooden desk. Uh, actual wood is very rare on Spindle. Most things are grown out of essentially planks of um, mushroom root, mycelium. Uh, so it's everything sort of like a gray fibrous. It's like gray plywood, everything. Uh, and most of the walls are just left bare, just the impenetrable black stone of the station, um, which none of which is also rectilinear. So the floors are all false, sort of plywood. And then there's these walls that are all just kind of curved um, black stone. Mm -hmm. I'm imagining... 
I'm imagining the the mycelium furniture as being like IKEA in space kind of thing. <laughs> That's know? exactly how. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then if you're rich, right, you might have stuff from Terra or the provinces. So you have little wooden knickknacks and and old metal pieces and whatnot. So uh, yeah, Gentheo um, has you come in to her office in the Basilicon, the area of room blobs on Spindle, where the the refactors assign jobs, contracts. Uh, and there's no doors. Most rooms don't have doors, but they do have beaded curtains that are pretty heavy and sort of muffle sound. Um, there's not actually anywhere to sit except for her chair. So she sort of doesn't gesture. Uh, but she does ask, you know, your name, just just sort of verify who you are um, and then confirms, which uh, seems unnecessary. But, you know, there's a lot of bureaucracy that you are indeed a Morgul. You are a, a two Sapphire Elves melded together into a new single consciousness. This farm stands creepily stock still uh, in front of her desk. And when asked to prove that they are a Morgul, uh, they actually begin the process of defusing. Uh, so splitting <laughs> splitting both of their uh, their kind of Janus faces, their, their personhood into two different beings. Um, which I'm happy to like, you know, burn some grit or roll for or whatever. Um, but yeah, they, they begin the process of, of defusing um, in order to prove their, their heritage as like ropes of nanites kind of like untangle each other. Right, right. No, I'll let, we'll, we'll let you do this for free given uh, you're still on Spindle and maybe you'll want to sort of have refused. So maybe you like do a lot of it, but you don't completely separate if you're just sure. sort of showing off. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's like down to the navel, you know, it's like this kind of like, eh, ah, kind of, kind of motion. So you almost like undip and like fall over. But <laughs> yeah. then you're like, you're still standing. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she doesn't really react. She sort of nods and like checks a box on a form. Uh, most of the paper is made of gray, uh, gray, green sort of algae. So it's like very, it's like, mint green gray um sort of like a unfinished feeling paper that uh, the the dot matrix printers in the archive sort of work on so she uh she says uh all right well uh thanks for that i'm refactor jantheo and uh this is a bit of a, a rush and a bit of a secret mission so um all i can say is that if you take the job it will be well worth your pay we'll pay you the base rate of 25 void guilders uh, plus an emergency uh, rush rate uh, bonus of a hundred void guilders, uh, and um, it's a, that's it. It's it's just a it's a very simple exfiltration job. You must find someone and bring them back to report to us. Okay. Yes. Yeah, Farm. Uh, Farm's four eyes blink slowly, and they say, "These terms are acceptable to us." Excellent. Uh, and the reason why we actually asked um, for a Morgul is that uh, this job is a little sensitive. Someone has gone missing from my Afdeling, but on the major province of Giju, which is where the Morn folk, your, your people, are, are from. Uh, so this is a Goldilocks world that is a little cooler than most of the other terraformed planets that have been found, and it is covered in great forests of moss uh, for the most part. Uh, so they're sort of very low thick moss uh kind of everywhere and this is where the sapphire elf civilization arose and most of the sapphire elves obliterated each other and those who were left mostly fused into the morgul and then left the planet uh forever sort of mourning that war and sort of the idea of state violence in general some of the sapphire elves stayed behind so um the the company is 
held this planet. They've been the only humans there uh, for hundreds of, of years now, but there are sapphire elves there. They also recently discovered that a lot of the planet is inhabited by very large, what basically are large frogs that are sapient. Uh, and that they had already begun sort of despoiling the planet of much of its uh, natural bounty when thousands and thousands of basically intelligent frogs started sabotaging all of their operations in the South. So there's kind of three bands. There's sort of sapphire elves, humans, and then the uh, Molruk, the, the sort of frog people. Molruk. That's a, that's a good name. Oh, thanks. Uh, the reason you're being sent on this job is there's someone missing. One of her bosses is missing. But she needs someone who kind of could maybe both be okay in the wild. And maybe if you run into a sapphire elf, they won't just cut your head off because you're, you know, a technology user, representative of a state or corporation, you know, things they don't like. That's, uh, it's, it's very simple. So why don't I, I'm going to share you actually a, a map of this planet that I'm describing. Oh, nice. So this is inhabited Giju. And the Stiffworks, the sole time-space gate, is in the depths of the largely uninhabited north region called the Middle Moss. Uh, the people there just call it the gate. It is technically the Hedera Gate. Uh, and over here is where the remaining Sapphire Elves live. And down here is where the company's uh, essentially colony is, right? Three cities that it's founded and maintained and numerous farms and outposts. And then as you go further south, the Mulrooks, uh, it turns out, inhabit much of the rest of this continent. So you would be coming through the Hedera Gate, and your job is to find Jantheo's missing boss, who has gone on a some sort of expedition you are not allowed to know anything about, to the Elf Crypt, to the Mountains of the Sapphire Elves, uh, which is very dangerous. As humans don't go there. The Sapphire Elves generally just try to kill you if you seem like you are still part of a civilization, essentially. Uh, the the ones who stayed behind, doing really well to avoid any uh, uh, violence there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that is uh, the job's pretty simple. Go to the go to the elf crypt, uh, get this person, and bring them back. Um, you actually don't have to go south into the civilized parts of Giju really at all. Civilized by company standards, you know, humans and waitins, giant bugs, um, in cities, uh, farming and growing stuff, and doing artisanal activities and mining and whatnot. Um, so this would all be wild and there is, you know, there's a valley here, there's a valley here, there's some hills. You can see the map is pretty much this map, right? She, she probably hands you this map basically. Mm -hmm. So does that sound, uh, amenable, uh, Svarm? Yes. Uh, as previously stated, these conditions are acceptable to us. We shall endeavor to do our best. Who is the target and how may we identify them? Uh, the target's name is Subdirector Tartison, and uh, Tartison is getting older. They are a gelasti. They are a uh, short, vaguely salamandroid form, um, single-celled organism, so roughly the size of a human teen, sort of made of pink jelly, pink jello, uh, but has a roughly sort of salamander-like head with sort of frilly things coming off of it. Um, which are thought to be a mix of sensory organs and sex organs, but they look kind of like the the gills of an axolotl. And uh, Tartison is um, all all you all she will say is that uh, they are a subdirector. They're they're high up in the afdeling of the void, um, and this is secret. So don't tell anyone else in the company that they went to Giju and went over to Sapphire Elf territory. It could cause a bit of a stir. Not many Jalasti make their way to Giju. 
this should not be difficult to locate them. Yes, they will stand out quite a bit in uh, the drier hills of the Sapphire Elves. And, you know, they should probably want your help. They are not known to be much of a, um, a fighter or explorer. They're a bureaucrat and a scientist, I would say. Uh, they trained as a banshee, so an, an engineer, uh, and then quickly rose up through the ranks, etc., etc. Uh, but yes, they may very well um, require some sort of aid in terms of um, perhaps they're wounded, perhaps they're trapped physically. Uh, but if you can bring them back to the gate, they, as a banshee, should be able to open it for you. So this is a solo operator uh, venture as far as we are concerned. Again, just to keep the number of voices in the metaphorical room uh few we understand is there any indication where where the subdirector has gone all we know is uh that they they have uh signaled a distress beacon using a tachyon lantern in their person which is more or less um gives no information other than the planet they're on roughly the region so we know they're somewhere in the south part of the elf crypts near the palt moss uh so not too far, I would say directly west of the Hedera Gate. And we do not know exactly why they went, but if I know Tartison, which I cannot affirm or deny, but she like, there's a pregnant pause, so implying like she knows this person quite well, they are after some specific architect, some ancient technology, presumably nanites, uh, probably of the Sapphire Elves, and probably for good reason. They have nothing but the best interest of the myriad peoples organized by the Worshipful Company of Stillfleeters uh, at heart, if they had a heart. I mean, they're a single-celled organism, so they have a heart-equivalent organelle that helps with the transmission of things through their cytoplasm. But you understand. Sparm, like, puts puts one of their hands up. It's like, we understand. Thank you. Yes, I imagine you also don't have a heart. You transport electrons. I don't really understand physiology that well. Uh, again, I'm a bureaucrat. So yes, if you do that, it's a bit of a rush. 125 Void Guilders, don't tell anyone. Uh, and let's just, whatever Tartison was up to, just keep that a bit hushed. Come right back here. Tell no one but me. Uh, and time is of the essence. As you know, the stiffworks are all synced. Uh, and the time on a Goldilocks world passes basically the same. Uh, they're all roughly the size of Terra and Spindle is... Uh, is meant to experience the same pseudogravity. And as far as we know, time passes the same here. So every moment that you wait is a moment that they might not be alive. Uh, I'm sure they will appreciate it. They might even give you some sort of personal bonus. I cannot speak to that. The Afdelling of the Void makes no claims as to Subdirector Tartison's personal exchequery and their ability to, uh, you know, remunerate you beyond what we've agreed to here. Uh, any questions? And I will say, Chris, you could also, like, you know, roll to see if she's lying or hiding anything from you or, you know. Yeah, I think um, Svarm, you know, this is their first mission. They kind of, they want to make a good impression, but um, they're, I will say their their is knowledge. So there's, there's this kind of itching in the back of their, uh, you know, quad non-brains, uh, or quad d- double double non-brains. Um <laughs> That does uh, drive them to, uh, I don't know, just just to do a little bit of investigating. Uh, so yeah, I think Svarm is going to uh, try to use just their their willpower to perceive any signs of of lying. And you know, they they have worked as a as a translator. Uh, they've worked with a bunch of different people. They're not the most charismatic being in the universe, but they can read people relatively well. So just looking for any 
any sign, any shift, any any kind of uh, indication that she is uh, hiding something from us. Uh, yeah, excellent. Um, roll will to perceive. So a standard check in still fleet, you want to get a six or higher, generally indicates a success. Uh, the difficulty can go up. Let's just say this is a six or higher kind of a roll. All right, great. So yeah, my will is D12, uh, which is what I assigned to it. And um, I also, I forget which thing I have. Uh, I think, oh yeah, so I chose sensor stack uh, for one of my uh, species powers, which I think uh, gives me plus two to uh, perception and will rolls. So we'll do a little roll. So I rolled a seven plus two, so I got a nine. Great. Okay, so nine would be like the next tier of success generally. So most rolls are going to go maybe like six, seven is like kind of hard. Nine is like really good uh, success. And then 12 and up would be really hard for a normal person to achieve. If everyone running around um, who's like a, you know, like a kid is like D6s, then, you know, how would they even get to D12? They'd have to, you know, if you think through the logic of the game, burn a bunch of grit to even be able to get there. So um, nine is is a great success. so yeah, I mean, you get the sense the thing she's hiding is that um, whatever Tardison is up to was like highly, like uh, many factions within the company would find it like illegal and problematic. And uh, that, you know, that that's kind of the uh, the thing she's trying to kind of glide by is just like, yeah, get this person, bring them back. Don't worry about what they were doing or why. Uh, and definitely don't tell the Afdeling that actually is in charge of managing this planet. Because uh, this is, you know, it's, it's they, they fucked up, right? And since I got you got a nine, I guess you also get the sense that uh, she does have a close working relationship. I mean, this is like her her boss, um, whom she seems to like. So you don't get the sense Tardison is like secretly an assassin there to like blow up a, a village or something. You know, I, you get the sense Tardison is some sort of, um, you know, maybe like greedy um, middle bureaucrat who is after some specific uh, thing. So so in, in a sense, she's telling you the, the truth there. She just is is not trying to divulge you know specifics at this point gotcha yeah well i mean you know uh sensing that and then also having an understanding of uh giju and the kind of political situation there Sfarm kind of chooses not to say anything and instead uh, just nods and says we will make haste uh to find tartison as quickly as possible and uh with that kind of lightly turns on their heel and uh, exits the room, pushing aside their their sweet beaded curtain, which I'm assuming clacks softly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's almost like a pool foam. It's like very, but like a little heavier, stickier. Like, so it doesn't really make mm. any noise. It's meant to muffle sound. Gotcha. Um, so it's like an office, but building a door that you can't drill into the stone. So building anything on spindle means you have to build out like a cage first of what of your own material to then anchor stuff to. So a lot of people just, there's like a bare cage of like, you know, mycelial plywood, and then you can hang stuff off it or whatever. Yeah, that's cool. We have a very specific, you're absolutely right. The design aesthetic, when we talk about like this alien space station is like very, very alien, but also the crappiest dorm room kind of a vibe, but it's, <laughs> you know, it's this whole culture. It's now 300 years of these, these people running this huge organization this way. So that's all they know. Well, it's also, you know, you're, you're highlighting, um, efficiency, not aesthetics, right? So it's like, why, why would they give a crap about their gray mushroom, uh, <laughs> Ikea furniture? Like, of course it's going to be as, as simple to build and maintain as possible. It makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And it's also the non-choices of non-places is we brought up Jay last week, that, that idea that like they're living in the airport, you know, like these right. are the people who chose to do that in this future 
version of kind of restarted civilization on earth these are the people who like found the dopest airport and we're like this is our capital this is it so all right so let's skip the part where you like get a company banshee to take you to the stiff works and you go through the stiff works i think you're just now in the middle of the middle moss on giju if you're okay with that we'll do a super cut yeah, we do. We do a big cut, and uh, and you may um, other people might be nauseated by that experience of crawling down this tightening funnel of black stone toward nothing, toward just complete darkness, and then suddenly you're tipping out, and there's a soul strength, you know, star above you, a sun, um, and you know the physics is completely different just by dint of you were crawling and now like you're standing in midair or whatever, uh, and there's this huge organic looking uh malachite or even darker green stone structure that looks vaguely like a wasp in the middle of an explosion or a sort of orchid uh and it is covered over with not true ivy but things that function like ivy uh so different kinds of climbing semi-vascular plants so like weird moss with kind of club mosses and mosses that uh that kind of go up um and you are in a forest but the forest is quite low so you can see around this is kind of a bigger structure Mm -hmm. uh this dark green thing you are now standing in the middle of uh and you were alone so the banshee just opened it on on spindle you crawled through um and i am actually gonna roll to see what time of day it is so sure bear with me uh it is actually very early in the morning so let's say it's you know giju soul is just peeking over the horizon have a sense of which direction to go and definitely like to avoid going to the south towards the Keening Swale. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think Sfarm is just gonna, just gonna head as directly west as they can, uh, through the middle moss. I'm not sure if there's any pathways or roadworks or anything like that, that they can take, but I guess, yeah, just doing their best to kind of navigate the middle moss with whatever knowledge that they have left over from having once lived on Giju. I guess, so are the, the Sapphire Elves, are they like in the Sapphire Fens or? Yeah, like this whole area is where the remains of the civilization that ended up producing your people is, uh, th- there are still people left who basically subscribe to a different philosophy. So at the end of the Civil War, who knows, let's say this was like thousands of years ago, or like a thousand years ago, right? A bunch of Nanite people sort of organ- self-organized emergent technology, cyber folks, um, Maybe they were once humanoid because you have a sort of humanoid shape, but who knows? At this point, your body is purely, you know, technical. Uh, most were, were obliterated. Those who stayed behind mostly adhere to a religion where they all sort of twinned up. And now they're like a, you know, you pr- you would produce more twin people, if that makes sense. Um, but those who stayed behind would look like you, but just one. So the Sapphire Elves are sort of the same, but only one. And the ones who stayed behind all adhere to um, to a specific philosophy uh, called Eliminimilinum Sivariach, uh, which is, these are intentionally alien setting, uh, but essentially vitalism and nihilism. So the idea that everything is kind of alive um, and certain kinds of emergent organization are really bad uh, because they tend toward death. So they're nihilistic in that they just without even questioning it, like they stay behind to wipe out future civilizations that might arise. So it's possible that a given Sapphire Elf might not be like kind of a dangerous post-apocalyptic crazy person, but um, most of them seem to be. So the humans have just kind of not tried to mine them their hills, you know, and have just sort of proceeded <laughs> to, 
to grow humans and waitens, right? The other major species in Stillfleet are these um, seven foot tall spiked cricket like people, the Weta. And uh, they, they, they tend to live, you know, further south for that reason. The sapphire elves tend to not, there's so few of them. They don't, they don't really leave their area. Generally. Gotcha. So you would know the, you'd know which way to go based on the sun. So whichever horizon you would know, like, okay, that way is west. And you would know the major dangers in the middle moss are random things. So a lot of the plants have of, not really evolved, but because of all the stray nanites, they're like sort of alive in the way an animal is like sentient and wants stuff. But if you can imagine like a plant that's got like blue pixie dust that gives it the ability to like move a lot and compute kind of like where prey might be. So there's like a lot of basically gorilla like carnivorous plant shambles running around here. Very cool. Yeah. Predatory plants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and sorry, I'm talking, I'm just trying to give you the background. Like your character would know all this. Yeah, no, this is, this is all, this is all good stuff. Cool. There is a road, but the road goes south into the Keening Swale where the humans and the Waitons are farming and mining. So there is no road west because they quickly found anyone who went west tended to get their head chopped off or blown off by a sapphire elf. So they just stopped trying to go west. <laughs> so um, you know which way to go, but it is just trackless uh, forest. And the, And when I say forest, I mean, it is like your head height of just like dense, fluffy, like moss of different kinds. And imagine all, just some world where like plants never really went up. It is uh, it is just enough where like you couldn't you'd, you'd struggle to like really see everything. But it is really weird and that you're not like in a, a tall forest, if that makes sense. Maybe in that case. Yeah. So I think Sorb is going to just is going to try to make their way west just to do things as quickly as possible even if they do have to kind of cut through this forested area i would like to attempt to use a class power uh track to see if i can pick up any indication of where the uh, subdirector may have uh turned off or which direction they may have gone before really setting out perfect that's your your marquee power is the razi the scout so you can track anything you've just burned grit and you make a reason check. So this is your Sherlock Holmesing of all the clues. And the difficulty and the amount of grit are dependent on how hard it would be, basically. So it's three grit for an easy target where there are already clues narratively established, and you're just trying to like follow them. It's five grit for a difficult target, meaning the clues don't exist, and or there's clues, but the person's like actively trying to like hide, like erase their trail or whatever. And seven for near impossible. Like logically, they're in the same area, but there's just no way you would know. I think we'll go with five because while there aren't clues per se, like you, you know from the beacon the vague area you're supposed to go to, and you maybe have been here, and um, you definitely have been here at some point, even if it was a while ago now, if you've been mostly you know living on spindle. So if you make the reason check, uh, oh, and it is a standard reason check. So actually, it's it's just it's a six or higher then uh then you succeed if you fail you still have to burn the five grit um but you can try again uh the next day so it's basically once per day you can try to track a specific thing based on again like the detectiving you've you've done right so we don't have to role play through all that if you want to add anything specific you're you're doing like that might factor in in some way but you know usually people are just like yeah i'm gonna try to find the answer yeah, I, I will say uh, something that I do like, uh, which I think is kind of a layout thing in the book. Um, a lot of the powers, whether it's class or species specific, um, it's really clearly demarcated. You know, like you have your standard and then, you know, slash day where it's like you can do this once per day. You can do this hourly. 
that's that's very clear, which is uh, I think a nice nice design choice to have that be up front, uh, like right next to the name. Uh, oh, thanks. Yeah, it's like I kind of understood that almost implicitly uh, while putting together my character, even though I've never played the game. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah, and I think we're building on a lot of other game tropes that appear in other games, but it is reorganized enough where, like, I think it looks it looks different enough where someone's going to be like, oh, wow, I don't I don't know how to read this. But I think, yeah, there should be an unconscious part of your brain if you play a lot of RPGs where you're like, oh, OK, I get that. Right. For sure. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like a separate text line. Like I'm thinking about a lot of a lot of games that I have played where it's like it'll have the name of the thing and then it's a separate text line that you either have to search for or like, you know, do a little bit of digging. But this is just like it's right there. So even if you don't fully understand the power, you at least have a sense of its uh, temporal limitations, which I think is nice. Yeah, thanks. Well, um, all right. So Svarm is going to track uh, Subdirector Carkinson. Yeah, so they, uh, they're they checking the ground around the around the Hedera gate, uh, looking for any, I don't know, like pink goo or, <laughs> or jelly or, uh, or uh, salamander-like tracks that might be on the ground, which would indicate a direction that they're going. Uh, ooh, woof. Uh, okay, yeah, so I rolled a two for a reason. Got it. Uh, yeah, you are you are um, in an area that's like, you know, 100 kilometers of open, just like forest between you and the valley. Um, they came through here a while ago, and thus any tracks, you know, they're, they're shambling mounds of moss, and maybe even some sessile, normal-ish alien moss that have grown over uh you know metabolize those things this is a hungry world just full of uh you know xenoplanta uh and so you find uh squat diddly to use the scientific term um and you are basically like not that far from the gate after like however many minutes you know you spend searching you you have no real idea but it's still it's still early morning you haven't spent a bunch of time on this so so uh all right so you uh do you want to do you want to kind of wander on sun clues yeah, I think uh, San Clues, you know, based on everything that uh, we've already been told, yeah, we're just we're gonna we're gonna head west to uh, the the Doom Path and the uh, Palt Moss beyond. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll trek as carefully as possible through uh, through the wilds here. Great. So we're gonna do a uh, standard encounter roll, which I often like to do with just a d6, where a one is really bad, a two is bad, three and a four are like atmospheric weirdness uh and a five and a six are like good which could just be you know things don't take as long etc um so we can also roll there's actually tape in the book for weather so why don't we do that it's an earth yeah. world probably wetter than terra i uh, imagine and, you know yeah. there's plants everywhere so it's probably yeah rainy a lot so let's let's do both of those. a lot of moss and lichen i could imagine that it gets pretty pretty moist yeah so that's a d6 roll for encounter and a d20 roll for the weather conditions, which you can roll both those if you like. And, and sure, yeah. Uh, okay, so d6 for encounter. I uh, got a four for encounter. Okay. And then our weather conditions for d20, I rolled an eight. Uh, great. It is raining steadily the whole day. So <laughs> nice. Um, it is. It is not uh, too stormy. It's not dangerous. It is just like it, it, let's say it wasn't raining. Maybe maybe it's been raining on and off. So like when you arrive, it's not raining that moment. But there's clouds streaked overhead, and that is one reason that the trail has been erased. So anyone, people could have come through the Hedera Gate like yesterday, and it probably would look. It would be very hard to like know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All washed away. 
Yeah. So, so as you walk, uh, you notice lots of little living things here and there and you pause and probably do some, uh, smart, you know, blending in hiding. I'm just picturing the, now the Homer Simpson, like walk it's like that environment, you know, it's like these big breaks of just hedges full of moss and you can kind of walk through them in a way, in a weird way. Um, so it's like a, it's like an ecosystem that does not exist. That I'm trying to like, you know, imagine the logic of, but you, you know, all about it. You're from here. So you don't have any dangers, um, jump out. You do see things that are alive, but they're the equivalent on this ecosystem of like parrots in like uh, ground squirrels. But again, they're all motile plants and they're motile because of essentially technological pollution from a thousand years ago from the people that ended up creating the mortal, right? So there's nanites that have made these plants like run around and skitter and like capture whatever, uh, you know, resource um, and, and hoard it like a squirrel. I have a question of, so another power that I have as a Morgul uh, is tap right in, which does allow you to communicate with uh, technology, uh, which can either mm -hmm. be like archaeotech, like I think uh, mechanically it allows you to use archaeotech, but also to like actually speak. Uh, would it be possible to like have any kind of uh, cogent conversation <laughs> with any of these creatures, or at least to get like an impression of what they've seen recently. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's a stretch for the power, but I, I think it's interesting. So um, yeah, I'll allow it. And that it's, it's kind of fun. I was going to ask you to, if you want to do any world building, like tell me like, what is the middle moss like? Cause a lot of this oh, yeah. has not been thought through too much um, on my part, even if it seems like I'm pretty obsessed with these speculative ecosystems. Um, but yeah, maybe both. So yes, if you use the power, um, please also tell me, you know, kind of basically what it does. So if you burn, um, let's say the complexity, I mean, it's a living thing. So it's at least three. So let's say if you burn six grit and kind of capture, you know, you, you reach out and grab one of those kind of little ground squirrel, like, like sort of a headless squirrel with like a flatter tail, almost like a cactus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the body is just like this dense kind of wiry moss kind of thing. And it's got little, not even claws. They're still sort of soft, but, but harder bits, um, of, of sort of rolled up kind of proto leaves if that makes sense yeah i'm almost imagining like fiddlehead ferns that kind of like extend you know like a, a sloth's claws kind of but it's like you know fern heads that kind of like come out and grab things rapidly oh i love that yeah yeah and maybe it captures little bugs or uh, yeah. other little plants yeah that's great yeah okay so yeah we'll we'll burn some grit here uh let's see i gotta i gotta track my grit that i'm burning so you oh, burnt, there's my you pencil i've grit to track yes. and this is another six so you're down 11 on the day you can rest and regain Ooh. some grit just letting you know that's that's 11 uh yeah off the top all right so uh and just for uh you know for the sake of transparency around mechanics i started with 22 grit uh for Razi, you combine reason and will to get your grit score so d10 reason d12 will 22 total and i have 14 health so not the not the hardiest, but doing okay, I think. Uh, one of my languages, I believe, is like Elf Machina, which I'm, I'm assuming there's some, at least like impressionistic form of Elf Machina that is uh, residing within these uh, these plant creatures if they have the same kind of like nanite composition that I have. Um, not really like trying to use words or anything like that, but more of just like forcing an impression, trying to kind of get across the idea of the the gelasti the person that i'm looking for and just trying to see if there's any recognition that this uh 
this creature might have. Great. Uh, I, I love that. So I think the way this works, it's like the nanites are just doing their thing. They're, they're groups of like probably millions of nanites, but I mean, they would look like just dust, like a piece of dust, um, yeah. which are stable excitons. They're, they're states of electrons and holes where electrons should go, which kind of create various things in physics, which could in this with enough complexity, it sort of has intelligence, but it's left over from like being in a person, right? A sapphire elf, or maybe like a pet, even like a sapphire elf equivalent oh, of a yeah. dog, like a thousand years ago. So this ground squirrel species is now like different groups of these parts of other consciousnesses, but just parts of them that are really reduced. Hence it acts like a squirrel, right? It's pretty dumb, but to your point, it yeah. senses the world around it. It has an awareness of itself in, a, in an environment, right? An, an umwelt. So, you know, you ask it a question, it, it must have some sense of like what it has seen in its little territory on the edge of uh, the middle moss, you know, moving toward the valley and sapphire elf territory. So I will give you a one in six chance. If you roll a d6 and get a six, this ground squirrel randomly saw subdirector uh, <laughs> uh, Tardison. And if you don't, then it you get a sense of what it did for the last day in very briefly. Right. Um, I love it, it either way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I also want to just point out for everybody, I am actually rolling dice for this. Oh, uh, yeah. I I think I'm a tabletop Luddite in some ways. Like I still, <laughs> I just, I like rolling dice. I design for rolling dice, um, which is, a, we, we've talked a little bit about that. Anyway, just one. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. No, same. I got, I got, I got the dice and, uh, you know, fantastic. I love it. Um, all right. D6. Let's see. No whammies. I got a four. All right. <laughs> Uh, it, it had an interesting day as far as kind of burn-handed ground squirrels made of moss go, but uh, it did not see a Gelasti in a spacesuit with some architect. Um, cool. And it probably doesn't remember much else. You know, I don't know how far back its memories extend, so it's probably just yeah. freaking out in your hands now. You know. Yeah, I'm imagining it's it's like goldfish level as far as as far as a uh, static memory goes or long term memory goes. It's just like I uh, I don't know. It probably knows where it like let's say it eats like this this sweet um part of a fruit uh of like a yeah. strawberry like fruit and it knows where like a lot of those are and so it has a right. very specific kind of intelligence but it it has really no idea what you're talking about when your your <laughs> electrons you know flow into it and try to just like eh, like tell me what i want to know uh, it's a squirrel <laughs> but i do know now where to find plenty of moss fruit which is dope <laughs> Right, right, right. You know, for what it's worth. Maybe I can report that back to the co and they can start a new uh, farm, like ag, ag venture in the middle months. Just like collecting small amounts of delicious fruit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, great. Well, do you want to venture out? So this is this has taken, you know, kind of all day to like travel that far uh, safely. You sure. are now on the edge of the forest and the ground slopes uh, in such a way, and, and it changes like geologically a bit, like what it is. So the moss doesn't prefer to grow there. And it's basically kind of grassy. It maybe even is still moss or like lichen-y, but it's, it's the equivalent of a grassland. It's just open and it is lower and you can kind of see beyond it rises up again and you have this kind of forest and you can see beyond now the mountains. So they're distant, but they're pretty high mountains actually, um, okay. directly west. Um, yeah, yeah, I think... Um... If there's still light of light of day, uh, we'll just we'll keep heading west uh, towards the uh, maybe skirting south of the Palt Moss actually to kind of like go just above the the Twice Dead Hills uh, to get to the uh, Elf Crypt. 
I remember she said that he was in the south part of the elf crypt, so rather avoid more unnecessary trekking through forest if possible. Okay. So it is getting it's let's say it's late afternoon and you're probably physically a bit tired from like from early morning just like walking through the woods like carefully through the swimming yeah. through the moss, you know. Um you you're, you're going to make another encounter check. And if you want, yeah. uh, this would be something I would encourage piece, uh, players to tell me their void miners are doing. You could just roll will to perceive, even like as you go, if if anything looks particularly interesting or scary, um, or if you want to look for something specific, uh, you could roll will. Or if you think there's a way your character could like reasonably find it logically, you could roll reason. So yeah, is there anything you want to do besides kind of just head you know south uh, west up a bit, you know, across the dune path and up where the, this kind of grassy lichen land rises a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, um, I think just, just trying to keep uh, all four eyes out for any sign of uh, the subdirector, whether it's, you know, like, whether it's tracks or gelasti goo or <laughs> ooze, or even if it's, you know, like signs of archaeotech or, or you know, like, uh, I don't know uh, what gelastis eat necessarily, but I'm assuming there might be some kind of like packaging leftover from rations like co-rations and things like that um i think generally keeping both heads on a swivel also wanting to avoid uh being seen by any other void miners or co-employees to the south as well so kind of double trouble as far as that goes um yeah moving slowly carefully keeping an eye out for any kind of track or sign uh great then uh roll will to perceive as you as you wander and then we'll do the encounter check after so let's see you know if you find anything useful give you that first all right so we got a 10 for our will check for encounter we rolled a three great then i'll say instead of like signs of an encounter so you find it find something uh first before it you know they would perceive you so as you round the palm moss so to your right, the land uh, actually slopes down, so it's higher up than in the Doom Path, but it's lower down than the hills um, or the mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Palt Moss is this is actually kind of a unique ecosystem with some different mosses, um, which we'll just say are a little more colorful, so they're a little a little less of the exact same as the Middle Moss of the related. And above you, you know, the ground is is just kind of drier, and you can see up into the hills. You might even see at some points cairns like stones left by the sapphire elves that kind of worn like they're meant to just sort of uh be signs to like obliterate yourself like just imagine like, really, like metal album art like glyphs kind of made out of just rocks oh, yeah. stacked over hundreds of years so you see some eerie crap and you're you know you would know to sort of ignore it but as you yeah. round uh down you know with the palt moss kind of on one side and you can see in the distance the edge of the darker region the the settlers called the black moss on the other um, that in front of you, you know, let's say 50 meters down into the palt moss is an encampment. And you see signs of uh, boots, but they're very differently shaped boots. Uh, but since you rolled so well, I'll tell you, you'd really quickly know, and, and you're from here, these are Mulruk. There is a group of frog people very far from the very, very wet southern woods. They are traveling, it looks like, in the same direction you're going, but they're ahead of you by a little bit. So you've like caught up to a small group of Mulrock. Oof. Oh, that's, uh, that's no good. Uh, which Sfarm says to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can talk to yourself. You're two people, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a, 
that's a, I was just thinking about that as you were uh, giving that setup where it's like, they probably would converse back and forth a little bit. I mean, it's, there's nothing indicating that they're different personalities, but I think that's kind of, that could be fun. People have played it really different ways, which I think is part of the, the ambiguity of like the, the fun ambiguity of like, yeah, it's two people. I mean, you interpret that as you want. Like we don't, you know, yeah. the like system doesn't care. Like I think there's a lot of different cool ideas, you know, you could go. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. It, it's also like, you know, different humans have wildly different personalities as well. So maybe there's some mourn folk who are more unified. Maybe there are some who are more disparate in terms mm-hmm. of their functioning and things like that. Yeah. So, uh, Swarm's, uh, left mouth says this is not, and then the right mouth says a good sign. <laughs> well, do you want to approach? Um, I will tell you even again, since you got above a nine, there are eight, uh, Mulrook, you would guess they're adults. I mean, they don't look like little kids. So there's eight yeah. adult Mulrook hundreds of kilometers Northwest of Mlerclaw, the, the Mulrook, uh, meta nation i mean there's many nations within Mler claw but um you know whatever they're doing they, they've chosen to cross you know the dangerous area where humans live which is extremely dangerous to them um and then now they're in arguably equally or more dangerous area where the sapphire elves live yes farm again kind of alternating mouths as they're speaking like first half sentence second half sentence this is too much of a coincidence not to be connected Although correlation does not mean causation, this is cause for alarm, and we must investigate. I think I, I'm, we're going to scout out their encampment. So keeping okay. keeping a pretty good distance and trying to find some cover, whether it's it's you know lichen or rocks or anything like that. Um, yeah, trying to find some cover, maybe from a high higher vantage point, scouting out their encampment just to see what they're see what they're up to, see where they're headed. Got it. Yeah, maybe that I was thinking you'd go into the palt moss and around, but maybe it makes more sense to go around, like almost past them and back, um, and keep them yeah. you know, with some sort of uh, rockier. You know, maybe there's even a bold, a proper boulder, and and it's sort of like on the the north side of them, and you kind of get behind that, and you're looking. Yeah, because the the elf crypt is a the elf crypt's like mountainous, right? Am I do I understand that right? Yeah, yeah, it's like high, dry mountains that separate, um, sort of two different. Uh, wet forest, you know, systems um, on either side. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll do that. We'll try to kind of like skirt around and find uh, find kind of rocky covered terrain. Uh, so yeah, I'll give you a move check. I have a D eight for movement. Okay. And unfortunately, because I chose the bend Halberk, it's not the worst penalty for non dodge moves, but it is minus one. So we'll see okay. how this goes. And I will tell you, this is contested. They're going to roll an eight for their will to perceive you. So you would win the tie because you're trying the action, you're initiating the action. So if you get the same number, you win. But if they get higher, they will detect you. And NPCs do not ever generally in my games burn grit. So you can always burn grit. They won't burn grit, right? They're just rolling a D8. Cool. Okay. Um, All right. So, oh, okay. I rolled an eight minus one. So I got a seven total. Well, then I'm going to roll and they only would beat you if they roll an eight. And they rolled a seven. So you win the tie, right? You, you know what you're doing. You tried to do it. And they probably do hear something at some point, but there's other, there's little like moss critters as soft as that would be. They still make noises of yeah. some kind. Uh, yeah, so they, yeah. don't, they don't think anything of it, right? You make a squishy noise. There's other squishy noises. They are, uh, there are indeed eight. There are uh, seven, what look like Mulrook warriors and one old Mulrook. Uh, you might even know the term spark seer. 
Uh, so someone who is trained in um, essentially sort of political organizing slash maybe like military command slash, uh, you know, occupies a kind of priesthood position. Gotcha. Claw. And the uh, the Hellraisers, the, uh, the, the fighters, they don't look like ones who are you might imagine from what you know of Miller Claw. Um, they have company made, it looks like maybe provincially made, made made here in Gijou, but uh they, they have human and weight and made stuff. So they're wearing like human mm. armor that's like refitted, like cut down because they're a lot smaller and they have different shaped, you know, bodies. They sort of hunch over on these large legs. Um and they're all sort of resting. You know, they sort of sit by like standing on a stick, um, hunched over, you know. And they're all kind of in a circled up with uh, two two of them turned outward as scouts who, who do not see you, although you're quite close now. Uh, and instead of around a fire, they're around a pool. So they've kind of dug a pit to just let the rain capture. Um, and there's various things they would do with that. Um, maybe just sort of mixing up essentially like soups with uh, a bunch of dried insects that they've brought in sort of some waterproof containers. Uh, so they're sort of um, eating a meal and it looks like from what you can tell they're bored um they're speaking in one of the many non-mutually intelligible as a joke uh languages of Miller claw so they are speaking a language that sounds like frogs croaking you can hear it i don't think unless you want to make an argument otherwise your character has no idea what they're talking about uh no i don't i don't think that this would be a, a language that they quite understand or could translate on the fly do you want to roll um reason to try to pick up any words that you know they might be borrowing from mossish which is basically yeah. you know maybe has words borrowed from spin like you know there there's might be a couple things strewn in there yeah i mean that's actually that's pretty uh no pun intended that's pretty reasonable uh considering <laughs> that they do have uh either co or locally made goods i mean there there might be some uh either trade or, or pillaging connection or something like that. They, they might've picked some stuff up. So yeah. All right. Let's roll reason. I got a D 10 for my reason score. I got a six. Great. Um, the only things that really make sense to you, it seems like they're definitely bored. They're waiting. They are, it's, there might be different opinions in the group as to whether they should still be waiting. seems like they've been waiting a little while now, like longer than they thought. And you hear the leader at one point sort of calming the various the, the two main groups of fighters in, in terms of, you know, we should stay, we should go um, by just mentioning uh, that they can trust the, uh, the pink jelly. They basically are, you know, very pro, like whatever the pink jelly said, and you can't really make gotcha. out anything beyond that. Yeah. Uh, behind the boulder where they're hiding farm does like a little, yes, <laughs> trying to stay very quiet, but you know, I think to themselves like, ah, so there is a connection. What could the co-director be doing back here? Well, do you want to do you want to interact with these mark or do you want to skirt around them? Or I mean, they're pretty they're pretty aggressive towards towards the elves, towards the sapphire elves, right? It, it, you know, there there are people who have their own complicated um, thoughts, but generally the issue has been that the company has in, has begun to move into territory that the the Mulrooks feel, you know, they've lived on for a thousand years, you know, why, why would you like come take this forest or chop it down? So they, they mm -hmm. often have issues with people from the company. Um, the elves, I think everyone else on the planet is just really scared of because if you show that you are sapient and have some sort of civilizational, you know, organization, uh, they might just kill you. So, you know, yeah. they're, they're kind of an unknown factor. 
Gotcha. Yeah. So that you you can get got. Okay. Yeah. So I think uh, farm is actually going to approach this encampment, um, kind of banking on the idea that they might to these Morrocks appear as more of a Sapphire elf than a co operative or employee. Um, you know, they're wearing the, they're wearing the bend halberd. I don't think there's much else that kind of like indicates that they are, you know, with the co from their standpoint, they're going to bank on, they're going to bet on, uh, being able to kind of come up and at least have some form of non-aggressive communication at the very least. Great. Why don't you roll charm to try to, Ooh. um, approach these folks and be like, you know, Hey guys, what's up in, uh, in the maybe sort of spin and mossish and just, or, or I guess mossish, right. It's probably the, yeah, speak. <laughs> this is, this is one of my worst scores, but we'll, we'll see what happens. You can always burn three, six or nine grit to add plus three, plus six or plus nine, any roll. I know you might be down a little grit later in the day. I uh, haven't rested. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's fine. Let's go. Um, all right. So yeah, uh, uh, approaching, coming, kind of coming down the uh, rock face that they were on and approaching the encampment, uh, Swarm has you know, both hands up like this, trying to show that they're non-aggressive. They are armed, but again, keeping their hands away from their weapons. Speaking in Mossish says, uh, I too seek the pink one. Mm. I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> what'd you get i rolled a one. Oh, great they don't even let you finish the sentence before uh they are they are attacking yeah um, that's fine i'm gonna i'm not gonna burn grit well i want to get some combat in so let's yeah let's let's go let's see it. yeah i think let's we'll probably do this combat and then we'll we'll wrap it up here and then depending on what you learn you know this could it'll be a convenient stopping place either way is my guess if that's cool with you yeah yeah, you, you roll movement to uh, initiate combat. So they, they are initiating combat. So if you want to join in and not just um, not defend yourself and presumably get killed, then you would also roll movement um, to determine who right. first. Um, yeah, let's do it. They are very fast. Uh, I, I probably am not as fast. So I have a, uh, I scored a six and then minus one because of my armor. So I'm, I'm at a five for my, uh, my roll. Got it. So they, they are going to act first. Uh, and um, I think they're not all attacking at once. I think probably four of them are attacking. The others were either listening or like, you know, kind of letting their comrades handle it. I'm going to say that uh, they are trying to essentially two of them are jumping at you with swords and they're very fast. They have um, swords of flaked stone that are fairly sharp. Uh, and maybe one of them has, um, you know, a, a, a sort of, uh, steel from, uh, from the company and the other two are trying to basically jump and put a huge net around you that has very heavy weights, uh, that looks like it's made of, of sort of metal thread. So it's, it's pretty serious. So I'm going to roll the sword attacks. Um, you have to dodge a six and a five, so you can dodge any number of times and you can burn grit to dodge or else, uh, you just you take the damage, right? All right. So you do burn grit in order to dodge and that would be to roll to dodge. Yeah. So you roll movement to dodge. Um, first you have to dodge a six. Okay. So you'd have to get a seven or higher because they, they initiated the action. So a tie would go okay. to that. Uh, all right. So that would be a five um, okay. for the first one. So that, so that is uh, the first uh, Mulrick Hellraiser trying to stab you, stabs you for three damage before damage reduction. So that made oh, right. me so I have no damage reduction. 
Yeah, I have a DR of three because of my Halberg. So that that knocks away any Great. Uh, potential potential damage there. So no that's stabbing. the guy with the with the with, so, with sort of a stone sword that's very broad, like a stone gladius, and it just can't get through the heavy, you know, uh, military grade plastic armor you have on, and so it's weirdly just like scored, uh, you know, the the side of your your suit. Nice. Um, so the next attack was a five. So you have to get a six or better or else uh, the steel sword is coming inside your suit. Okay. <laughs> I rolled a two. Okay. Um, and so that one I'm going to say is uh, seven damage before damage reduction. Okay. So I would take uh, four points of damage there. Okay. So you do get cut um, maybe not as deeply as you would have if you weren't wearing this heavy you know, military plastic uh, armor that's meant to be really, you know, shock absorbent and, and turn away sort of blades and, and bullets and whatever. Uh, but you, you know, you do get cut. It does, it does shatter in one place. Um, there's, there's blood or the equivalent of blood, I guess, blue goo of nanites yeah. and like nanite, some, nanite juice. Yeah. Yeah. Some sort of like fluid that, you know, they, they're suspended in. Um, and uh, yeah, and it, and it doesn't feel great. Um, the other two with the net are going to attack uh, and they're just okay. really trying to, to get you to stop moving. So that is going to be an 11 for the first one. Cool. So that may not be dodgeable. I don't know if you're going to try to dodge that. Uh, I will try to dodge that. If I can roll high enough and then burn some extra grit, would that suffice to dodge? Yeah, you just need you need ultimately a 12 or higher. So that's uh, okay. entirely well, possible, but might involve burning grit. Yeah. Let's give it a shot. Oh God. Uh, I rolled a two. Uh, I don't want to burn 10 grit. So uh, I guess, yeah, uh, the, the net encloses around us. Great. And then, so yeah, I'm not, so I think you are, you are netted and yeah, you, you couldn't burn enough grit cause you can only burn nine. So you would, um, yeah, you'd totally I, it would have happened right? anyway. So that was, that was a hard one. They, they seem like seasoned, you know, veteran fighters, uh, while a couple of them are real hotheads who like earnestly were probably just trying to kill you. Most of them want to, put you in a net maybe like kick you pretty hard but uh you know basically just put you in a net and tie you up and not you know not harm you but talk to you um yeah. but they wanted to protect themselves and they seem very reverent of the spark seer so they mm. they were specifically trying to make sure you know you didn't assassinate uh their their priest you are in a net i think realistically we should probably stop here good cliffhanger yeah, unless you want to do like real quick, like what you would say as the Sparkseer in Broken Mossish, is, you know, ask, uh, you know, who who sent you, right? Like, why are you here spying on us? Yeah, uh, farm with all four eyes, like <laughs> both heads turned towards the Sparksphere as, you know, independently as possible and uh, says, I am a comrade of the pink one. I too search for them. Will you help me? All right. If you want, you can roll will to resist other. Okay. Yeah, sure. I think the sparks here comes over and their, their, their frog like hand is sort of placed on one, maybe one on each of your heads in, with, yeah. you know, in, inside the net. Uh, and yeah. they close their eyes and you feel, you feel weird. All right. Roll will. Oh, 14. Oh, okay. Well, it's up to you. They, they are clearly trying to read your thoughts to, to see if what you're saying is true or if you are lying. So I will give you the option. You can let them read your thoughts or you can, you know, resist that since you, you rolled a 14, which is crazy. I want them to trust me, but I also don't want them to know the full extent of my involvement. Uh, so we're, we're going to resist the, uh, the mind probing. 
Okay, I think then um, they they their face uh, looks you know sags with kind of consternation, and they they hop back uh, and fold their ropey pieces that sort of function like robes in their society of, of sort of like tubing, um, and they fold that around them and look at you, uh, open their eyes a little, and uh, say a bunch of things in in some Mullerclane language. Uh, I think at that point, yeah, the others maybe like put a tarp over you as well so you can't see anything uh, and that is where i think we will end credits so you have been captured <laughs> by uh, a group of mulwark fighters well beyond where you would expect to encounter them in the foothills of uh yizich uh Sichuan, the, the elf crypt where presumably your boss's boss is either hiding or in trouble or you you have no idea lost so if you want to resume we can we can always resume this but chris thank you so much for you know going through the 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 first steps of this solo venture. Uh, it's always super fun to play games. Yeah, that was, that was fantastic. That was really fun. Yeah, no, thank you. Thanks for running it. Thanks for listening to Why We Roll. Our theme music is by the brilliant Sam Tyndall and Arpline. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Twitch and what used to be Twitter at Why We Roll, and on Instagram at whyweroll.pod. You can find out more about Dance Macabre at timespaceplace.itch.io slash dance dash macabre. You can find out more about Stillfleet at stillfleet.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>